Hello there folks and a very warm welcome back from me, the old cheeser. Lovely to have you here again and uh, I hope you've all had a good weekend. So in today's post I would like to take some time to talk to you about an actress who's a personal favourite of mine who also starred in a TV show of which I'm a big fan, more of that anon, the actress in person being Diana Regg. Now, sadly, uh, many of you will probably know that Diana passed away very recently at the age of 82, although it can be argued that at that age she'd had a pretty decent life with a lot of accomplishments under her belt as well. Now, Diana, well, I think really an actress, an English actress in the true sense of the word. Um, A colleague actually recently sent me a link to a Desert Island Discs interview with Diana Rigg, which uh, dates back to 1970. And it was interesting to hear her musical choices. There were a lot of classical music tracks that she'd chosen. And actually nothing that could be deemed very poppy, I found slightly disappointingly. Although um, one of her choices was Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. So I suppose that's the closest possible equivalent. So how could we see Diana? Well, I think in in quite a lot of ways she could be seen as quite old school and traditional and, and maybe those musical choices on Desert Island Discs mirrored that. In that interview, her cut glass accent and her impeccable diction and intonation are all very much to the fore, and uh, she can definitely be regarded as the archetype of the posh English lady. Although, um, for those of you that weren't aware of this, uh, Miss Rigg originally hails from Doncaster in Yorkshire. Now, from what I've seen of Diana Rigg's performances, and actually If truth be known, I've not actually seen her in that much, apart from this particular series that I'm going to be talking about in a moment. Uh, She does veer more towards the posh, although she has gone northern on occasion. Uh, One instance being a quite recent episode of Doctor Who that she did called The Crimson Horror. I don't know how many of you saw that. In the programme, uh, Diana played a villainess in the Victorian age called Winifred Gillifrower, who it turned out was um, in cahoots with aliens, as uh, the villainesses and villains often tend to be. And um, underneath her Victorian-style attire, she was concealing a, a rather hideous prehistoric red leech creature which was stuck to her breast, which she'd called Mr. Sweet. Yeah, pretty icky, I would say there. Now, um, the writer of the episode was Mark Gatiss, and he'd actually wanted to write a properly northern Doctor Who episode. And when he cast Diana Rigg, he actually encouraged her to use her native Doncaster accent. So nice that she was allowed to go back to her roots there. Uh, another memorable Diana Rigg appearance for me, and again one that some of you might know, was in a 1970s Hammer House of Horror movie called Theatre of Blood. Now, in this, she played uh, a character called Edwina Lionheart, who was the daughter of an actor, Edward Lionheart. Great character names there. And Edward was played by the deliciously camp horror stalwart Vincent Price, uh, someone who did a lot of Hammer Horror movies. Now, the plot line was the idea that um, Edward, um, unfortunately, the actor, had had a very raw deal and had been savaged by a lot of critics. And as a consequence of his career going down the pan, he decided that he was going to take revenge on all of the nasty writers that had slagged him off. And Edwina acted as her father's willing accomplice. 
Um, so they then go on a mission. They devise various ingenious ways to bump off all these venomous critics. And we see the critics all getting their comeuppance one by one in a darkly comic and truly gruesome fashion. Uh, one particular scene in which uh, Diana uh, was particularly memorable was one in which she dresses up in mandrag as a male hairdresser um, with a huge afro and moustache and she treats one of the bitchy theatre critics played by Coral Brown to um, a perm of a different variety um, one that literally roasts the hair off her head and uh, the lady ends up getting electrocuted and um, in this scene, actually, talking about accents, as I mentioned before, Diana decides to go cockney in a, in a quite amusing fashion. So she says things like, Just come and sit over here, love. Make yourself comfy, ducky. Or words to that effect. But, and this is where I'm going to get to the crux of my post today, um, the most memorable Diana Rigg performance of all for me was one that many of you will probably be familiar with, and that was her role as Mrs Emma Peel in the 1960s fantasy detective series The Avengers. Now, um, I'm too young to remember the original airing of the show. I was about one years old when it finished, so if you can do if you do the math there, you can probably work out my age. But I certainly do recall uh, Channel Four airing some repeats of the Avengers at the end of the 1980s, and this was when I became a big fan of the show. Um, I think one of the first episodes I saw was an episode called The Living Dead. It was one of the colour episodes featuring Emma Peel. And it was set in an English village that wasn't all that it seemed. Um, concealed beneath this village was a vast underground city containing an army ready to take over the surface of the planet or something like that. So that was my introduction to the Avengers. Now... Um, for the uninitiated amongst you, the Avengers originally began actually as a it was as a quite routine detective series in the early sixties with straightforward plot lines in which the good guys fought the bad guys and the good guys solved crimes. And uh, Patrick McNee as Steed, uh, he was in the show pretty much from the beginning. He was one of the leading protagonists. However, over time, and, and definitely by the time that Diana Rigg was in it, elements of fantasy and sci-fi started to become integral to the programme, resulting in some delightfully bizarre and fantastical storylines. So the kind of things that we got were the heroes encountering killer robots, the cybernauts, um, we had telepaths in stories like Too Many Christmas Trees, uh, there were giant alien carnivorous plants in, in episodes such as The Man-Eater of Surrey Green and that kind of thing. Now, the appeal of the show for many, I think, was the juxtaposition of these fantasy and sci-fi elements with the more recognisable and down-to-earth ones. So the stories nearly always took place in London or the home counties and they had settings like picturesque English villages and country houses and the characters ranged from military types and government officials to more regular folk. Although there was actually a tendency to focus on the posher, more upper class citizens of Blighty which could be argued was a somewhat filtered view. And we often saw our heroes dining out on the finest food and very often drinking champagne. So a very upper class kind of focus there. 
Now having said that, even if the show did present a rather idealised and picture postcard view of English life, there was always a great deal to enjoy. So for me, definitely the inventive and the imaginative elements, the, the sci-fi and the fantasy angle, the sparky dialogue, the humour and the wit, and last but definitely not least, the relationship between Steed and Mrs Peel. So what about Mrs Peel herself? Well, she was in no particular order feisty, intelligent, sharp. She was a dab hand at karate and martial arts. She undoubtedly held her own in a duel, both the verbal and the physical variety. She was beautiful with her shoulder-length brown hair, which was always immaculately well kept. She was slender. She wore some of the most up-to-date and stylish outfits from the 60s. And Diana Rigg always played the role, I think, with a lot of poise and presence. Now, another winner was her with a close relationship with Steed, and I think the two leads had a lot of clear chemistry, something that people have often commented on when reviewing the show. And the relationship between Steed and Emma always felt very believable and genuine. There was real affection between the two. Now, one of the things, too, was that relationship, although it was personal and they're obviously close, it never actually kind of fizzled over into romance, which I think was a good thing. Um, we had great dialogue between the two. Um, one of my favourite episodes was one called The Hidden Tiger from uh, the Colour Emma Fipil series. This is one in which um, Steed and Emma are set sent to investigate uh, domestic cats who have been equipped with medallions that have turned them into killers. And it turns out that the masterminds behind this uh, enterprise are an organisation called PUR. And that's PUR spelt with uh, three R's, standing for the Philanthropic Union for the Rescue, Relief and Recuperation of Cats. And there's a great bit in that episode when um, Steed is sent a pamphlet from Purr and he passes it to Emma to read. And he says to her, read on, that will make you bristle, you beautiful bronze tabby, to which Emma purrs seductively. Now, OK, all right, a, a bit of objectification possibly in the way that Steed spoke to Emma, but it does indicate the affection that goes on between the two characters. Now, in my post today, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about two particular Emma Peel episodes, which I revisited recently, and appropriately enough, um, the first of which is Emma's debut story, The Town of No Return. And I'm then going to talk to you about her final departure story, The Forget-Me-Not. Okay, so to start with The Forget-Me-Not then little bit of background here, actually. Now, although this was Emma Peel's debut story, it wasn't actually the first story to be filmed um, for Diana Riggs' character. What had happened was um, the producers had cast a different actress, Elizabeth Shepherd, as Emma. But after they'd filmed approximately a story and a half, they realised that the actress wasn't actually right for the part, and they then recast Diana Rigg instead, and they had to go back and refilm these stories. Now, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure a lot of people would probably agree, Miss Shepherd's loss was the viewer's gain, because Diana Rigg soon proved to be pretty much perfect in the role. Okay, so a little bit on the uh, story of The Town of No Return. Uh, and as well as me talking about Emma Peel's role in the story, I'll be giving my overall impressions of um, this episode as well, my thoughts on it. So the premise is that Steed and Emma have been sent to uh, a small town, a little Baisley-on-Sea, to investigate the strange disappearance of several secret agents. 
it transpires that the inhabitants of Little Baisley are not actually who they seem. They're all impersonators. So this is the landlord of the local pub, some school teachers, etc., the local reverend. They're all actually all in cahoots, and the real people are either being held captive or have died. And this might sound familiar, concealed beneath the village is a labyrinth of corridors and rooms in which a secret army is being amassed, ready to emerge and take over Britain. So shades of the living dead, anyone? Well, one of the things the Avengers did do from time to time was it did rehash and recycle some of its plot lines. Um, the Town of No Return coming before the living dead, in fact. Now, um, going back to the idea of the army being amassed ready to emerge and take over Britain, okay, quite why they were doing that was never explained, but it was an interesting concept nevertheless. Now, this series, the first Emma Peel series, was actually shot in black and white, and some fans have said that they prefer these episodes and they feel that the colour ones aren't up to scratch. Now, of course, that is down to the quality of the stories and the writing, but there is definitely something about black and white, and I think we can say that in general, that's very suggestive and even artistic. So, um, at the beginning of the episode, we get this intriguing and eerie opening shot on a windswept beach, and we see what looks like a black sack being swept in by the tide to the beach. It rips open, and from that emerges uh, a man wearing a suit, um, who then encounters a mysterious bearded man on the beach, and he asks the bearded man if he can direct me to the nearest village of Little Baisley. Um, we also get some very good use of the black and white imagery later on when a character Smallwood, played by Patrick Newell, is chased by the same sinister bearded man across the sand dunes by baying hounds on the horizon. Um, it looks very atmospheric and uh, shots of the nearly empty little Baisley. We see the church shrouded in shadow and the wind blowing leaves around outside the local pub with the uh, amusing name of the inebriated gremlin. And all of this helps to create a really sinister and gothic atmosphere that conjures up a real feeling of foreboding, I think, which is largely due to these visuals. This is coupled with some very wonderful incidental music, a kind of repeated motif played by the piano. So... What about Mrs. Peel then? Right, well, as this is her debut episode, I think she's given a great introduction. And the very first scene in which we meet her is one in which Steed arrives at her apartment and he's let in to buy, be met by Mrs. Peel dressed in a fencing suit. Uh, she tells him that she's just made coffee and Steed inquires about the cream. Now, lest you think that she's kind of some sort of a domesticated, submissive person, uh, she then tells him that the cream is in the kitchen uh, in a very assertive kind of way um, and promptly gets into a fencing match with, with Steed whilst they're actually maintaining a regular conversation at the same time. Now, this very quickly sets up Emma as someone that's able to hold her own, although uh, a bit unfortunately at the end of the fight scene, she ends up getting bundled up by Steed in the curtains, but she tells him in an annoyed tone, that was very, very dirty. Well, Steed then promptly tells Emma the details of the latest assignment, and the next thing we know that they are on a train on their way to Little Baisley. And this has to count as one of my favourite scenes in the episode, in fact, possibly even the entire show, um, 
we see Emma and Steed sat in a railway carriage and Emma looking very chic indeed in a white skirt and matching top and uh, a Target style beret which I absolutely love. Now Emma's reading the newspaper while Steve takes out a carpet bag um, from which Mary Poppins style he removes an entire tea set and a cake stand and from within the bag a boiling kettle. And uh, asking Mrs Peel about her tea choices, he inquires, milk or lemon? To which Mrs Peel replies, lemon. And Steed looks back into his bag and then says, I'm afraid it'll have to be milk. To which uh, Mrs Peel gives him a withering look and drops her newspaper. Um, He also asks Emma, are you sure you won't have a marzipan delight? To which she, she gives him a curt shake of the head. So it's a really lovely and amusing scene. Now, Emma's role in the episode hereafter, well, she poses as a teacher in order to investigate the mysterious goings-on in Little Baisley and soon realises that things are amiss, particularly when she meets the Reverend Ainsworth and discovers that all of the parish records have been ripped out. And it turns out, as I said earlier, that the Reverend is actually one of the aforementioned imposters in the village, as are two of the school staff, Jill Manson, the headmistress, and the local school inspector. Emma ends up getting captured and imprisoned, but Steed later comes to her rescue. Uh, Emma gets to prove her worth, however, in a a fight scene in which she defeats all of her assailants. Although I've got to say, I did find this scene a little bit annoying, as Emma's fight with Jill seemed to consist of a lot of girly hair pulling, and I really wanted her to just get to it and throw some proper punches. Perhaps slightly too convenient, too, that um, Steed was able to use his steel reinforced bowler hat to knock out his opponent, and this was sort of used on sort of other occasions as well. Moving on to the end of the episode then, well, um, the ending did feel a little bit rushed and you couldn't help wondering what had happened to the rest of the so-called secret army. Uh, Steed and Emma, they only seem to have disposed of a handful of soldiers, so were viewers meant to believe that the entire army had been defeated and that Britain was safe? Or perhaps they'd called the police and everyone had been arrested? We then get the coda scene of Steed and Emma riding a scooter and exchanging a few quips to some rather obvious back projection. Um, These coda scenes were a quirky motif that we used every week in the show and they always ended things on an upbeat note and this was even if half of the guest cast had been killed off. Our heroes had made it through and that was the main thing. So overall, a very enjoyable episode and a great debut for Dinah Rigg, who we got to see on very good form, and this boded very well, I think, for the many Steed and Emma stories that were to follow. Right then, so let me talk to you for a few minutes more on uh, Dinah Rigg and Emma Peel's final story, The Forget-Me-Not. Well, um, a lot of fans have actually stated that they felt this was a poor episode for Emma Peel to go out on, and they found it not worthy of the character or Miss Riggs' talents. Um, It's also been said, if you look at some reviews, that Emma seems out of character in this story, and that she doesn't come over as the Mrs Peel of old. Well, this might actually be because there was in fact a gap in filming between this story and the previous Emma Peel story, Mission Highly Improbable. Um, The latter episode was actually intended to be Emma Peel's final story and new sidekick Tara King, played by actress Linda Thorson, who is actually also featured in the Forget Me Not, was supposed to assume centre stage from there on. 
However, because of a loophole in her contract, Diana Rigg was actually recalled to film one final Avengers story, this one being the Forget-Me-Not. Now, in hindsight, I think that this was a good move because in Mission Highly Improbable, she was never actually given a proper farewell. And in the Forget-Me-Not, she gets just that. So, the plot of the Forget-Me-Not? Well, it begins when uh, an agent, Sean Mortimer, who works for the same organisation as Steed, arrives at Steed's muse flat with what appears to be a severe case of amnesia. Crucially, however, he does remember that there is a traitor in the organisation. So co-opting trainee Agent 69, also known as Tara King, Steed and Mrs Peel uncover a plot to infiltrate the organisation through the means of a potentially devastating memory-wiping drug. Well, there's quite a good sense of suspense at the beginning of the episode, I think, with Sean Mortimer being shot by a dart that causes him to become amnesiac, and then he ends up at Steed's flat, where Emma is also present. She tries to help out, but to no avail, and then eventually both she and Sean are kidnapped at different points and imprisoned in a glass factory. This isn't before, however, Emma manages to get in a few decent fight scenes, so, for example, attacking her assailants in Steed's flat, and also fighting back against the same assailants later on, when Steed and her are driving to a party, and they get ambushed. Emma's next scenes consist of her and Sean sitting side by side in the glass factory, where they're trying to remember their identities, and they're getting all mixed up. Emma thinks that she's Steed, and that Sean thinks that he's Mrs Peel. Now, these scenes are mainly played for laughs, and they're mildly amusing, but they also get kind of wearing, and they go on for too long, I think. Well, fortunately, Emma manages to overpower her imprisoners, and we see her getting to do some nifty fighting um, towards the end, Uh, and she also shoots one of her assailants with an amnesia gun. But this comes right towards the end of the episode, and to be honest, it feels like it's too late. For her final ever episode, Emma should really have been given a lot more to do and this feels, I think, pretty insulting to the character. Um, A critic has made a comment that they feel that Emma's dethroned here to make a new assistant, Tara King, look good, which I think is a fair point. Now, on the note of Tara King, let me just sidetrack for a moment to talk about her for a couple of minutes. So she's the green behind the ears trainee agent. Now, Linda Thorson's performance as Tara has sometimes been criticised and she definitely has her detractors. However, I think that it's a decent enough debut. She's definitely a different character to Mrs Peel, but as a kind of sweet and kooky young spy and one that seems to be attracted to Steed, um, she's kind of endearing in some ways. But again, definitely not in the same league as Emma. And a case in point being um, toward the end of the episode, when Tara arrives at the glass factory to help out, and she plays a role in defeating the baddies by knocking one of them out with her handbag, within which is concealed a brick. Hmm, okay. Well, um, the baddies being defeated and the good guys triumphing, we move to the final scenes of this episode, and this is where we get to see uh, a very touching farewell scene from Mrs Peel. Now, we discover that Emma's husband, who has been missing in action for the past three years, has suddenly been found in the Amazonian jungle. And Steed is seen reading a newspaper report on this uh, at the beginning of the scene. 
Emma then arrives and uh, confirms that she's going to leave Steed and um, there is some very touching dialogue between the characters. Um, we can see Steed's sadness here. Emma leans in to Steed and says to him gently, Always keep your bowler on in times of stress and watch out for diabolical masterminds. She then leans in and she gives him a gentle kiss and she says goodbye, Steed. And she turns to leave and Steed calls after her, Emma. She turns and he says, thanks. And she gives him a gentle smile and she walks out of the door. Now, Patrick Manny apparently was very upset after this scene and went and cried in his dressing room. And he really does look moved in this scene. But we haven't quite seen the end of Emma yet because Steve goes to the windows of his flat and he looks out. He looks down onto the Mew Street to see Emma leaving and her husband, Peter Peel, waiting outside for her in a sports car. And um, Peter Peel seems to bear a striking resemblance to her work partner, Steed. He's wearing a bowler, he's wearing a suit, he has a brolly, and Steed kind of peers and he can't quite believe his eyes. Emma turns around as she gets into the car and she kind of gives a kind of like cheeky smile in Steed's direction and looks at her husband. So it seems she has a bit of a thing about this type of fella. And we then see them driving off into uh, the sunset and it's goodbye Mrs Peel so a very touching um, conclusion there uh, I also f almost forgot to mention as Emma is leaving the flat uh, we see Tara arriving stepping into Emma's shoes and Emma gives her a little bit of advice as she goes um, she uh, tells Tara that Steed likes his tea stirred anti-clockwise so there we go Right, well, I'm going to wrap it up for today, um, but that's been my tribute to Dinah Rigg, if not for Mrs Emma Peel, and I hope you found it interesting listening. Thank you again for being here, guys, and um, I wish you uh, a good week. I shall talk to you all very soon, uh, and remember, Mrs Peel, we're needed. <laughs>